and welcome to the Junkyard Love Podcast. doing well. Shaylee and I are just in the car now. We're heading out of town for a camping trip, but I wanted to get this episode out, so I'm recording this quick thing on my phone right now. This is going to be butted up against uh, a like four, four and a half minute podcast clip from the Dark Horse podcast with Brett Weinstein and Heather Hying. Uh, Heather is reading a quote from a book by Sebastian Younger, Younger um, called Tribe and it's just so profound. I, I found myself listening to, I literally had rewound it. I listened to it again. I was like, whoa, that's a great excerpt from this book. Um, and then I had to record it again. So hopefully uh, I don't get any strikes against the old account here or anything. But I took a four minute clip from the Dark Horse podcast of her reading a book of Sebastian Younger. And I'm going to play it right now. And that'll be the intro of the podcast. We'll get right going to my conversation with Devin Sim. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you're taking care of yourselves. I hope you're drinking tons of water. And I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Take care. Um, today's veterans often come home to find that, although they're willing to die for their country, they're not sure how to live for it. It's hard to know how to live for a country that regularly tears itself apart along every possible ethnic and demographic boundary. The income gap between rich and poor continues to widen. Many people, people live in racially segregated communities. The elderly are mostly sequestered from public life, and rampage shootings happen so regularly that they only remain in the news cycle for a day or two. To make matters worse, politicians occasionally accuse rivals of deliberately trying to harm their own country, a charge so destructive to group unity that most past societies would probably have just punished it as a form of treason. It's complete madness, and the veterans know this. In combat, soldiers all but ignore differences of race, religion, and politics within their platoon. It's no wonder many of them get so depressed when they come home. I know what coming back to America from a war zone is like because I've done it so many times, Younger writes. First, there was a kind of shock at the level of comfort and affluence that we enjoy, but that is followed by the dismal realization that we live in a society that is basically at war with itself. People speak with incredible contempt about, depending on their views, the rich, the poor, the educated, the foreign-born, the president, or the entire U.S. government. It's a level of contempt that is usually reserved for enemies in wartime, except that now it is applied to our fellow citizens. Unlike criticism, contempt is particularly toxic because it assumes a moral superiority in the speaker. Contempt is often directed at people who have been excluded from a group or declared unworthy of its benefits. Contempt is often used by governments to provide rhetorical cover for torture or abuse. Contempt is one of four behaviors that, statistically, can predict divorce in married couples. People who speak with contempt for one another will probably not remain united for long. The most alarming rhetoric comes out of the dispute between liberals and conservatives, and it's a dangerous waste of time because they're both right. The perennial conservative concern about high taxes supporting a non-working underclass is entirely legitimate roots in our evolutionary past and shouldn't be dismissed out of hand. Early hominids lived a precarious existence where freeloaders were a direct threat to survival, and so they developed an exceedingly acute sense of whether they were being taken advantage of by members of their own group. But by the same token, one of the hallmarks of early human society was the emergence of a culture of compassion that cared for the ill, the elderly, the wounded, and the unlucky. In today's terms, that is a common liberal concern that also has to be taken into account. 
Those two driving forces have coexisted for hundreds of thousands of years in human society and have been duly codified in this country as a two-party political system. The eternal argument over so-called entitlement programs and more broadly over liberal and conservative thought will never be resolved because each side represents an ancient and absolutely essential component of our evolutionary past. So, how do you unify a secure, wealthy country that has sunk into a zero-sum political game with itself? How do you make veterans feel that they are returning to a cohesive society that was worth fighting for in the first place? I put that question to Rachel Yehuda of Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. Yehuda has seen up close the effect of such antisocial divisions on traumatized vets. If you want to make a society work, she writes, she said to me, then you don't keep underscoring the places where you're different. You underscore your shared humanity. I'm appalled by how much people focus on differences. Why are you focusing on how different you are from one another and not on the things that unite us? The United States is so powerful that the only country capable of destroying her might be the United States herself, which means that the ultimate terrorist strategy would be to just leave the country alone. That way, America's ugliest partisan tendencies could emerge unimpeded by the unifying effects of war. The ultimate betrayal of tribe isn't acting competitively. That should be encouraged. But predicating your power on the excommunication of others from the group. That is exactly what politicians of both parties try to do when they spew venomous rhetoric about their rivals. That is exactly what media figures do when they go beyond criticism of their fellow citizens and openly revile them. Reviling people you share a combat outpost with is an incredibly stupid thing to do. And public figures who imagine their nation isn't, potentially, one huge combat outpost are deluding themselves. Unbelievably brilliant. Yeah. And so many, so, so many lines in there that could take uh, an hour's worth of conversation to un... It's interesting to think like, like somehow, uh, I heard this thing, I think it was Daniel Schmattenberger who said it, and he was talking about like society and like, you know, uh, I think like maybe it was like loneliness or something, but it essentially like... We're such a lonely society now that we love just like staring at people's faces on our phone. Wow. Like, and it was like, oh, fuck, is that what we're doing? Yeah. And we think that it's something way more complicated, but it's just so simple. We're just like, we feel so alone, but we can we can trick that that trigger in our brains to not feel as alone. We could just stare at people's face when they're yeah, talking. Yeah, just stare at a picture. That right. is a crazy concept. Yeah, isn't that? It's it's so interesting. It's I love like trying to look at like trying to look at it from like a biologist perspective of like, what's like, what are humans doing as a creature? <laughs> like I not, know. not just what are we doing, you know, but, um, as a species. Yeah. No, yeah. Devin. Jake. Hey bro. Cheers, man. Cheers. It's great to have you. I appreciate you having me out here. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I'm glad that, uh, that you came. Um, I think you, we were talking about like a while back when I was first kind of like redoing things down here and I was like sending you some stuff and, and showing you. So it's, it's exciting that you're able to, finally see it see it as it unravels and i love everything that you've done down here with your writing on the wall and just the vibe the lights and just like your little your little area where you can create and just be yourself mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. let things flow i love that yeah it's a uh, it's huge for me like it's definitely i've always liked my alone space but like it's insane seeing how much more clear I feel as a person, as a human, like just like my real, just feel more like myself when I really have a place where um, it's just like a recharge for me. It's Same. like a, it's just like my own gas station down here. I just feel yeah. whole and it charges me up. Um, it's funny because I, I, I don't know if it's because we're Scorpios or what, but I can relate and I'm pretty adaptable. But what I find a lot of comfort in is I spend probably a crazy amount of time just in my car and 
I'll be sitting in there, whether I'm watching videos, I'll even take my book and like go drive out to Willow or something and just spend like hours in my car, just zoned out and just really tuning into myself and my surroundings and what's going on. And right. yeah, it's awesome. We live in a beautiful area too. Like I, that's one of my favorite drives going out there to Willow Grove and mm. you got rivers, you got right. the greenery around us. It's funny. I, um, I was talking about this. I, you know, when I was younger, I was a skateboarder and so like so bad, yeah, <laughs> shred, but, um, you know, like bad weather was always like, I hate rain and blah, blah. And I was always, I had this thing in my head that I really never thought through, but I was always like, just imagine that I wanted to be somewhere sunny. Like I'd always like, I think what happened is it was just like this inevitable, like, well, who wouldn't want to rather live on a beach? That must be nice. Like to go surfing whenever you want or whatever. But like, realistically, I fucking love being here. Like, yeah. I, I don't mind the rain. And as, as I get older, as like, I'm able to look at my, dude, you're not a skateboarder anymore. Like you don't have to walk in the rain. Like you don't have to suffer. Like as, as you this year's old, like I'm 28, like, what do I think about rain now? What do I think about the area that I live in now? Yeah. And when you can look at it like through new lenses of not like you're a skateboarder who's like pissed that he has to walk in the rain for an hour and he's gonna have muddy shoes at school today. Yeah. Like I don't have that anymore. And so I'm able to like reframe it and be like, oh, it's beautiful here. I yeah. love it. And now, you know, over the last few years, like just mental health wise, I've been getting way more into like getting myself to go outside. Um, I've always liked going outside and, and like just being in the woods and hanging out by myself and stuff. But now it's just, it's more and more, I'm more appreciating of, um, of this beautiful area that we have here. Dude, good for you because it took, for me, I also grew up skateboarding, spent a lot of time hating the rain, having no rides to go to Klatskanai where we got the one right. underground part or undercover part. I think we skated together. Dude, I was, so it's funny because before the podcast you were talking about, you know, being the the guy, you know, on the outside or whatever, that was me when you were skating. And so like we would be behind skate or uh, Safeway or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the squad would be out there shredding. And like, I would just admire watching you guys. And, um, me and uh, Jace, Jace and I mm -hmm. would be out there just skating and all in when we could doing a couple kick flips, but really right. admiring like you guys being out there and shredding, but it's so cool. Yeah, so it, it took, for me, it took living in California for the four years and like always longing to be in a place where I didn't have to worry what the weather was gonna be like and it was always gonna be, you know, good weather, shorts, and um, being down there for four years, don't get me wrong, I, I love it in its own way, but it really made me realize and appreciate how lucky we are to have as much rain as we do over mm -hmm. here because, I mean, without the rain, you don't get the green trees and the fresh air and everything that we're blessed with in this area. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we, I feel like we detach ourselves from that. Like, you know, everybody knows that, like, like we know anybody knows in their head, like, Hey man, like, yeah, it rains a lot, but that's why we have the beautiful green trees. Like that's how all this stuff grows. Yeah. But it, like in the moment we do get in by we, I mean like me used to, you know, I'm sure a lot of people do, but I like complaining about the rain, you know, it's a, it's kind of like complaining about like, you're, you, this road that you drive every day has potholes and you're so sick of it. And then they do construction and it's lasting for three weeks and you're so sick of it and you're complaining about the construction. Yeah, it's they're like, fixing it. Yeah, like, come on, man. Like, just <laughs> deal with what really is happening here. Like, yeah. you know, the, the rain ain't so bad if it gives you, you know, this. Yeah. So. It's kind of the, it's like grooves in your mind though. I forget who said it, but uh, it might've been on Joe Rogan too with some shroom guy. I forget what his name is, but um, there were- Hamilton Morris? It Paul Stamets? Paul Stamets might've been the guy that it was, but 
they were saying, imagine your mind like a, a mountain with snow and you're sledding down, creating these grooves in your mind, you know, and you're having the same thoughts and the same negative feelings towards whatever it is, you know, the rain potholes. And you're so used to just that feeling. Mm. Um, you get, you just get used to reacting in that way. And, mm. uh, in that podcast, they ended up saying that hallucinogens kind of leveled the playing field and like made everything to where your thoughts could, um, flow freely, you know, throughout and you can create new patterns and new thoughts. Right. It was super interesting, but yeah, I like that. I, uh, I feel like I've heard that. Like, I can't remember exactly who it was, but I feel like I've heard that because that I'm analogy, sure, yeah. I was like, because because I, I mean, it's an, it's a good one to think about, you know, neuroplasticity, um, yeah. you know, where that's how our brains work. Like we'll slide right back in, like, especially when we need comfort, we'll slide right back into those deep grooves, you know, those things that we've always been doing that we never really question why we're doing them. And that's why they're so difficult. You know, like the habit change is one of the most difficult things that we that we all face. Like we want to start eating better and blah, blah, yeah. we know all these things, but then like, you know, a week later, three weeks later, you've slipped back into those sled divots, right? Those, right. those snow divots. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, it's difficult though, because when you slide back into those divots of just like thinking the same thing all the time, it, you add this layer sometimes in your own, like, oh, well I failed, right? Like, oh, yeah. I, I slid right back in the, and we think like, that's me, I'm the failure. Like I can't do that thing that I want because I slid. It's mm. like, no, no, it's like, habit change for the human mind to like get those n like new neuroplastic pathways build them build yeah. them and it's difficult but like keep going don't don't ever say like oh i slid back into my into my sled path again i'm stuck in these divots and the wall the snow banks on either side are too big i guess this is yeah. who i am like now fuck stuck that here keep on keep on trying to get over there if you only get a, a, up out of that divot for a day and you slide right back in well maybe try two days the next time yeah you know, so. and it gives you hope you know that that one day that you spent living eating healthy or whatever it is that you're aiming to do uh -huh. it gives you the confidence and like i've experienced myself and anybody that's tried anything new you know and stuck it out like playing guitar is a really good example it is frustrating when you want to play guitar and you pick up the guitar and it feels so foreign mm -hmm. in your hands and like your brain doesn't really know how to work or anything but if you keep picking it up every day, you know, for even a week, two weeks, a month, a year, it gets more and more comfortable in your hand. And like you reach a right. tipping point where it just one day just makes sense, you know, things just click and it, it feels good. And then you can then go from like learning something to being creative in your own way and uh, doing doing what you want to do with that thing. Right. Yeah. Do you play guitar? Have you Guitar is one of the things where I have not stuck it through. My dad plays drums and guitar, and like I admire him playing it. I was jamming out to Eric last night on his nocturnal session, and like I admire the way that he can play guitar. But I've experienced getting better and more comfortable with the guitar. And it's interesting for me because I'm left handed, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, everything I have done when I was a child was with my left side of my body, like the right side of my body just didn't really work. And, uh, so I don't have any left-handed guitars. I don't know anybody that plays no Jimi Hendrix around me right. or anything <laughs> to teach me. But, um, so I play right-handed and I've gotten like to where it feels more comfortable in my hand and then life happens. And, you know, I just, I don't stick to jamming out and so you start back at square one right. and you just got to relearn reteach right i mean that's that's the thing though is you know we we feel the need to judge ourselves off of like oh, where yeah. we're at right now of like 
I don't know the, the way that I've been trying to be about, cause I'm learning um, piano and like the, awesome. the, the way that I keep saying it and it, it felt dorky at first. Like it felt a little like fickle and kind of like too overly positive and optimistic, but like now it feels like it's like a, no, no, I actually believe this. Like now that I, like, I say it to other people out loud, I'm like, no, I clearly believe this. Um, mm. I'm just like, I'm trying not to judge myself of how good I am now or like what I'm doing now. It's like, regardless, I enjoy playing piano. Right. And if I continue just playing piano when I feel, when I enjoy it and I do these, you know, like I continue enjoying where I'm at instead of being mad that I'm not super good. Imagine like how much I'm really going to enjoy this in 15 years, 20 years. Like, you know, maybe you're not super great at guitar or piano at this moment, but like that doesn't mean that do we've got a whole life ahead of us yeah. that like, if you just keep shipping away five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes, two times a week, I mean, long form, that's 10,000 hours, the 10,000 hour hours, room, you know, yeah. I mean, it's eventually going to, and we also, I think when it comes to instruments, I feel like I never want to like disrespect the culture of, of musicians, you know, but because I get that like it takes hard work and you've got to like respect like, you know, if I go up on stage, and I'm like, I'm going to do a, a Elton John cover like you better show out and like show oh, them some yeah. respect. Right. But there's yeah. also parts of me like just as a creator and as someone who encourages other creators, I'm just like play play anything put your fucking fingers on that thing and just play and suck yeah and make anything and and just and, and, and you know say oh I, I that doesn't sound good but this sounds good okay cool and then learn about that like look it up google it or just play that same note that yeah. sounds good and, and learn about it learn about how it makes your body feel yeah you know um that's how it was with me with guitar too is like one day uh I'm glad that you bring that up too, because it, it's tough to not judge yourself. It's so natural for us to like instinctively just start judging ourselves when mm -hmm. you try, especially when you try something new. But um, I remember one day after trying, it was like a week when I was committing to playing the guitar, you know, every day. And um, towards the end of the week, it was getting more and more comfortable. And I really just started zoning out and like, I would just try to like feel the music and like, you, you know, I don't really know how to explain it, but you know, if you're higher up on the neck of the guitar, it's going to sound different than where, if you're closer to like the bridge. Right. And so if, if you move in between there, you can kind of guess how the sound will differ, you know? And so I, I was just spending time zoning out and just like whatever felt or sounded good and just like appreciating whatever it was that was coming out of it. Right. Dude, I, that that's like such a beauty of learning an instrument. Like, um, you know, I, our school system, um, like the way that all of us in the Western world learned is, you know, or a lot of the world, I guess, is grades, like a pass or a fail mm -hmm. or, a, you know, a yes or a no or a good or a bad. Um, so I think that we go about our life in those same ways. Like it's like, you know, judging ourselves is literally like I'm good at this or I'm bad at this. Yeah. Like we don't have to do that. We don't have to live our life through those lenses at all. It's just Stay louder, bro. <laughs> right, man. It's it's just crazy. I mean, so, you know, I'll have moments where I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get super stoned and I'll, you know, maybe I'm having a bad day and I'm just sitting in front of my piano and like maybe I'm crying and drooling snot rockets onto my keys. But like it feels good and I'm experiencing this emotion yeah. and I'm seeing where it takes me because you know, I'm going to die one day. I'm going to be, I'm going to, you know, we're all going to die one day. And I want to be able to say that, like, I, you know, I, I didn't want to feel weird when I'm by myself, like thinking that I'm not allowed to do this. Like there's a gatekeeper that's saying like, bro, you're not allowed to. Oh, did you cut out? Yeah, I'm cut out. Right yeah. Now. So, uh, wiggle the, 
Oh, it's because the dog's chewing oh, on no it. No way. Blue. Did it split all the way through? Yeah, dude. Little I shit. By thread. You little turd. I wonder why he's being so quiet sitting down. <laughs> Alright, I'll get you a new pair of headphones. Hang on. Blue. Bad dog. Not happy about that. But you're cute. And I love you. You're my boy, Blue. I love you. Boy, Blue. Anyway, so believing in yourself and drilling your snot on keyboard. Just do it, man. Just yeah. go, turn the lights down low and just make some music and just like figure out, like just have the human experience of sound, you know, yeah. like it doesn't have to be right or wrong and you don't have to show anybody. You don't have to post anything. Like you don't have to do it for anybody else. There's this scary, like there is a respect, right? Of like, you see somebody shredding with a guitar and you're, can you hear? Okay. Are you good? I hear great. Okay, yeah. Great. These actually, these are nice. Yeah, they, yeah, those are I love these. Like those yeah. Ones. They're yeah, snug those. too. They're hugging my ears. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. After a few hours of I'm wearing glasses, if I'm like DJing with those ones, I'm like, Ooh, a little headache, yeah. you know, but they're, they're super comfy. Otherwise, yeah. um, in anyway, man, uh, I just think it's, it's important for people to like let themselves experience these, these things. We, we put a gatekeeper up when we don't need to, there's a respect, like, you know, don't, don't bullshit yourself and like think that you're like the best whatever and try to compare yourself to different different singers and, and musicians and stuff. Um, but you know, if you talk to a lot of musicians, they're probably gonna say like, Yeah, dude, just try it. Just play. Yeah. Just get in your get in your room and turn the lights down low and, and just screw off and just yeah. see how it sounds. My dad, that's how he taught himself how to play drums and like he would listen to his favorite tracks and try to recreate it, you know, by jamming out in his room or whatever and mm. um yeah, it's awesome. I, I, it's one of my favorite things to watch, and I'm lucky growing up that my dad's always been in a band. So he had me when he was 16, and I think the band uh, GBHC that he had still plays with his buddies to this day, but um, I think they made that when they were like 17. But I'd be in my room, you know, cleaning or hanging out, doing my thing, and just they'd be in the basement jamming out and like subconsciously listening to those songs every day, even if I wasn't listening, like I would, uh, I would like start singing along, you know, like mm -hmm. when I would go watch him play or a show or whatever. And like, you can catch it, but being down there and being able to watch him and his friends jam out and just totally like zone in together. And just like, now they're at the point where, uh, my dad will just be, uh, playing a beat or whatever. And then Mike, his buddy will come and they'll jam together so beautifully, you know, cause they know how each other play and like oh, yeah. such a cool thing to watch and experience. Oh, it really is. It's, it's, that's such a cool dynamic. You know, it's something that like, if you're, if you're not looking too closely, you might miss it. But if you, yeah. you know, listener, if you go to a show and it's your favorite person, right. You know, um, it's Billy Eilish, it's Dur Dermot Kennedy. It's, it's whoever. And they have a band a lot of times we over like we're so obsessed with like that one singer that one like main spotlight but like if you actually look at john bellion's a good example like he's very interactive with his band yeah. and it's this like the coolest thing to me is seeing the singer the lead singer or even like the bass player look at the guitar player or the drummer that the people in the band look at each other and they have such a long conversation but it's it's instant right it's like right. they communicate so much to each other uh. on stage and you get to see this like you know, if, if you're in the audience and you're like looking at the bass player and you notice he kind of glances over the drummer and they both kind of start smiling and they're like, and you know, they're kind of building up and you could feel that the song's about to have a change and yeah. they just, they just create this new thing together through them just looking at each other and communicate. Yeah. Oh, it's so, it's, it's so like one of my favorite crazy. things, man. It's, 
it's humans fascinate me when it comes to music. Well, and yeah, music in itself and what you're explaining right there is like the, the way that you can communicate without words like that mm -hmm. fascinates me too, you know, like being able to just look at somebody and know what they're trying to say to you right. and pick that up. That's well, I mean, like, like we were talking about earlier, I was using the analogy of as you're driving down the freeway in your metal yeah. box, like you look over and all of a sudden the dude next to you looks right back at you because he kind of yeah. felt he had a feeling like, you know, if you, you look up at a semi truck driver and within a few seconds, he's literally going to look at you because it's just he senses somehow that you were looking at the guy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, music is. Words are so beautiful and so important, but what what are we trying to do with words here? We're trying to describe feelings. Feelings, yeah. That's, no that's what we're trying to do. And, and sometimes there's like, there's not enough words that describe the feelings or yeah. words mess it up or words just don't quite get it right. Yeah, just you can't know? give it justice, yeah, that and, feeling. And that's that's such a beauty in music is like, they can say something, they can communicate something that's it's very important. You're like, I don't know how it's important. I don't really know how to explain how it's important in words, but like that was important. Like that yeah. was... Uh, and I, I love music. Yeah. I envy people that can create yourself, you know, and being able to try to translate that feeling or whatever through your music. That's just right. I, I, I like it because I notice it. You know what I mean? When I'm listening to people and their music, I really try to zone in and appreciate what they're doing and creating. And like a lot of the times you can feel what it is, you know, the buildup or whatever it is. And as a DJ, I'm sure you admire that because anybody creating music that's what you're, you try to do right simultaneously as you're creating music you want to read the crowd and see uh -huh. what they're responding to what they're not really digging you know and right there's that unspoken communication between everybody right it's a uh, it's you know crowd crowds crowds and music are are interesting um i've been thinking about like audiences and like crowds and um like i had a good conversation with my, with my comedian friend joe um about about kind of the same thing about how you know the audience almost has a role so so there's so when it comes to djing like what's the difference between like skrillex and a wedding dj right like you know dj is put next to their name but like yeah. they're so different right. um and it's like i think that people who don't play music don't really think about it much but you know you're not going to hire um a metal band to play acoustic guitar at your wedding right there, there there's different things so you have to like put the right um music and music style with the right audience but then there's also like th there's this other area of music that's like hey i have something to say um like like here's what's what i'm trying to communicate um in in what uh so like so when i'm djing and i'm paid for it i'm paid for the gig like i'm trying to read the people in the room like people are walking through the door and i'm you know kind of subconsciously glancing at them what are they wearing how old are they mm. um what are what does it look like they might listen to um like there's this like kind of getting a feel for the crowd and like as a dj you're trying to like you're not taking everybody's favorite song and smashing it together right. you're not taking only the popular songs and, and forcing them to listen to what you know is going to work what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to like really just get the vibe like yeah. I'm, I'm almost like internally judging every fucking person in that room you know it's what a dj does he yeah. looks at the whole of the he's he's trying to get the feel the vibe the yeah. the whatever of the room and try to and try to curate it and bump it in, in certain places and make people feel certain things and um, get people to feel certain nostalgias but also you know, present at the same time. But so there's that. 
when it comes to like DJing and there's this expectations of like you're feeding the room um, of people who aren't here just for you. They're here to have a good time themselves. So you're just trying to contribute to that. Right. Right. But then there's also this side of artistry and music and even DJing of like we're coming here to hear what you have to say because you have to say it in, in a way that nobody else does. Like when I first started seeing Skrillex, for example, I mean, holy shit, like the dude was doing nothing that anybody else was doing right. as far as I had seen it, you know. And so I wasn't looking to like go to get my needs met and my expectations and like, oh, I hope I hear my favorite song tonight. It's like this person is standing on stage like reading their poetry that they wrote in their mm. basement alone practically. You yeah. Know? So there's this there's different sides of of like music and in communication of music when it comes to like DJs and electronic music and bands and everything. Um, I, it's just it's 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 been in, in i think i brought it up it's been a journey because i've been doing the dj thing for so long but i also have like felt like an artist like i, I always want to like I, I haven't like produced a ton of my own music like when i was like djing like playing all these things and playing all these clubs and stuff like i wouldn't really play my own stuff like i'll play like mashups and i'll do my edits and stuff but um the last since i've been playing piano and and like I love songwriting. I'm not good at it, but I love it. Good. But it's it's this whole different side of me that I'm like in my basement trying to like say and figure out what I have to say yeah. and like try to write something authentically from my heart. But then like then just thinking of how I would take that and then like sing it on a stage, that just seems like madness. Like that's right. just what a hard so, thing to do though. Like the fact that you're even seeking out to do something like that and you're embarking on that journey yourself. It's not easy, but the fact that you're doing it, like kudos to you, man. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. It's 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 enjoyable. I Would like. Would you say that's one of the most challenging parts of DJing and uh, or creating music, or I guess the question would be, what is the most challenging part for creating music or DJing um, for you? You know, lately I have this thing on my keyboard that I wrote, "Don't strangle it." Um, for me, it's been trying my best to not mimic other people mm. um because if i'm i'm so easily inspired is my like catchphrase it's like my favorite like i'm so easily inspired like if i see like someone singing with like a deep like voice like i just i want to try that i want to figure out like yeah. i want to see how that sounds with my throat you know like uh if i see somebody singing high pitch and weird and like they're writing like these crazy weird lyrics like i want to see what that's about um but at some point like i'm trying to make this like cool mashup of like yeah, I've learned this from, I'm going to pull this from this person. I'm going to pull this from this person. And then, so, so the hardest part for me has been like not over trying it, but trying to find this, like, what's, what's me in there? Like, yes, it is a combination of all the things that I've learned and all the concerts I've seen and all the artists that I listen to, but I don't want to mimic them. Uh, but I also don't want to purposely just try to be not like them. Right. It's this weird, like, it's a, like I said, don't strangle it, man. Yeah. It's, 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 I'm trying to find this complicated, like, what is like my voice? Like, what is my thing that only I out of these 8 billion people can do? And that's quite the task to put on yourself. Right. Yeah, but it's, right. it's beautiful at the same time, because I don't know if I'm ever going to complete it. I don't know if I'm ever going to get there, but it's not really about getting there. It's about like that search of like, what, what do I have to say? And can I actually find a way to say it? And, and do I have the skills to make my fingers move in a way that like coincides with my vocals, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's fun, man. M music is fantastic. Um, you said your dad still, still plays though. It still jams out. It's one of my so favorite tight. things to see him play. Um, they did 
they don't do a bunch of shows obviously anymore, but um, he has this new band, Bear Chaser, and they, before everything started going on, they had plans to go and tour like down to uh, some places in California, back up through like Utah, Idaho, and then coming back here. And um, that's kind of been on hold, but he's he still plays with like the same guys that he's always played with in high school, which is really cool. And then you might know his name. I fr- he, he went to Kelso. I forget what his last name is, but his name's Alex. Um, Alex. I forget what his name, his last name is. He, he wore glasses. Uh, I mean, I feel like there's like a picture popping up in my head, but I'm not thinking I know. of his name. I wish I knew if I, I know if I knew the last name, which I'll figure it out, you would know who he is, but he's in the band and, awesome. uh, yeah, they, they make really cool music. I don't really know how to explain it, but um, his original band, GBHC, they're more like a grungy grungy type of music, you know, which was interesting for me to listen to at a young age because it seemed everybody that I was going to school with and my friends and they were all listening to rap, you know, or whatever was new and hip. And here I am, you know, growing up, we were talking about before, but I'm like this insecure kid. And like, uh, my dad's playing this grungy music, you know, and driving this, uh, band, excuse me, band van. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, you can drop me off at the dike. I'll, right. just, I'll walk to school. Dad. We're but, so silly when we're yeah. young about that stuff. Oh, right? it's crazy. But it's awesome now because like what I ran away from as a kid is like, I'm, I'm really prideful now as an adult. And so, hmm. yeah, my dad plays grungy music. Hell yeah. (laughs) Isn't that cool how like, you know, it's just like I was talking about, like I used to like hate on rain and now that I'm older and I could see it as like, oh, it's actually cool, man. Like it's like rain is how you get this thing. So it's like, um, now, like if you got dropped off at school, you'd be like, drop me off right up front, man. Like this is cool. Like see you later. That's my dad. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's really cool. Like, yeah, having me in 16, a lot of people were like, man, wow, how was that? You know? And like, it was my dad was a single dad growing up. I spent most of my time with my dad. And like because of that, we have like this brotherhood bond. You know, we're so close mm-hmm. in age where uh, now we have a really good relationship because of it. And yeah, he kudos to my dad, dude, because being 16 and having a kid and like having to go through all that, right. I couldn't even imagine or put myself in that situation. But you, you're forced to grow up quick and like right. you've got to assume this responsibility of another life, you know, and he, he found a good way and balance of like still living his life and hanging out with his friends and doing whatever he was going to do, you know, and here I am running around in the background in the mix, you know, but it's, it probably wasn't the best situation for me to be around as a kid, but I don't, I think that it was the best situation that I could be around as a kid. Cause I grew up because of it, you know, I'm, I'm very independent, um, doing my laundry and stuff when I was a kid, you know, right. having to get my own food, things like that. They really make you grow up. And we were talking about like survival instincts and stuff, you know, as kids and that kind of forced that upon me and helped me grow up and assume that responsibility. So, right. Yeah. I mean, that's a, you know, that's, a, I originally, that's a while back ago. I had originally texted you. I think I sent you a long text basically like, I just like your outlook on the world, man. Like I, I think that you have a positive, like good, healthy and, um, you know, influential to people who want to listen to it. Uh, just view on life. Uh, appreciate that. Yeah. And, and I, and it's cool that you, you know, it's not like you had like sunshine and, and roses. It's not like it was like, 
the opposite. Yeah, I, I think that we, and it's probably, I don't know if it's just because movies or we don't really think that much intricately about it, but we always just think like, oh, they must have, this person must have had this whatever upbringing and whatever. Yeah. But, you know, you start really talking to people and getting to know them. And it's like every person has like kind of an intricate upbringing and it was way different than you thought. And it was, uh, um, they had, they had their hardships. But they, you can see like, oh, that's how you are really good at this now, though. Yeah, um, kind of how you handled it and stuff. Yeah, yeah it's really interesting. I could, my family's kind of amazed, and uh, I am very lucky and grateful to have the outlook that I do have in life. But uh, I had, it was the opposite of sunshine and rainbows growing up, you know? And I had everything working against me. My parents were into drugs when I was, before I was born and things like that. And so... Um, there's people I went to school with or whatever, and they've gone through certain things and use that as an excuse to act out in a certain way in life, you know? And, um, I think what I really learned from, it's funny cause I've, I've kind of noticed this too, but it seems like, well, personally for me growing up and being around all the stuff that I was around, it kind of taught me what not to do or, uh, what I didn't want to be like, you know, not, don't get me wrong. My dad's a great guy, but like, as far as partaking in the drugs and everything and stuff like that, that stuff that I could avoid in my life, you know? And, uh, um, so I always strive to want to have a better life or have food on the table and not have to worry about things like that. You know what right. I mean? So I think that was a big motivation for me a lot growing up, but you see kids that they get everything handed to them or, uh, just had this perfect life, you know, and then where does that get them in adulthood? You know, when they've right. never had to work for anything and they've just had things handed to them, you don't get that real life drive, I guess. I don't know right. what you'd call it, but yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Experience. Like we, again, we, we decouple ourselves. Yeah. Cheers. But I, uh, cheers. We, we decouple ourselves from, you know, we're, we're always as humans, we're always desperately trying to define ourselves right fucking now, you know, but it's like, you aren't just who you are now. You're just a whole, you're a whole, you're the dance, man. You're not, you're the in-between. You're, uh, it's like, like we were, again, right before the podcast, we were talking about like a little of my upbringing. Like I wouldn't be in this position. Like if I had never been depressed, I wouldn't be doing a mental health podcast to like talk yeah. about people's depression and shit, you know? Like right. I, if I didn't have the rough life that I had, I wouldn't have been that tough. I wouldn't have been, um, if I wasn't forced to like, take care of myself at a young age in, in certain ways. Um, I, I wouldn't be nearly as resilient or, or tough as I am now. And like, Hey, I'm sidestepped. I've sucked. I've done shitty stuff. Like oh, yeah. I've, I, I'm no perfect human being by any means, but like a lot of the strength and the, you know, um, as I get older, especially in the last couple of years, like a lot of this is as I kind of look back at my past and reframe my views of how it was like, okay. So like, that's how I perceived it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it was. Okay. And I don't, it doesn't help me to go forward in life with that same perception. So like, what can I form from that exact same situation? Looking back at my memories, like here's, here's what happened. How can I form, you know, my, my next steps around that being, well, that's just how I learned this. Right. That's, that's how life handed me the path of life mm -hmm. handed me those things at that age so I can learn the things that I know now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so hard to, you know, it's not that simple, of course, but like it's so hard to um, decouple ourselves from our like past sometimes in, in, in those ways. Like, but I, I think it's important. Um, we see a lot, we see a lot of like the words childhood trauma on social media and in the last couple of years. And I think it's amazing. Um, 
but I, I wish there was like a different word because yeah, I, yeah trauma is intense. Well, I mean, well, it's, it could it's, be the reality though. Yeah. It, it could be the reality, but, but I think that we, we, you know, I, I would hate for it to turn into like everyone who's young, who's like trying to deal with their childhood trauma all of a sudden is like in fisticuffs against their parents and their parents just feel shame. Like it's not mm. about making parents or people who raised us like we as a human species have just gained more consciousness, like more, more intelligence. And we're like, Oh, okay. Like, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a terrible person, but like I did learn how to do these things because this thing happened to me. So now like I'm realizing I'm smart enough now in this day and age to realize like I don't necessarily want to go forward and do that. So yeah. I'm able to like reassess my old story and it frames like who I am and how I'm how I'm reacting today. It's not like a spit in the face of, of parents or anything like no, that. No, not at but all. I, but um, yeah, the journey, I it's funny because it, it doesn't ever really make sense in the midst of it. You know, something happens to you and you're thinking, why me? Or what did I do to deserve this? And it's not that at all, but whether it makes sense to you right now or years down the road, I feel like if you seek the answer, it's definitely going to show itself to you and it will right. all make sense to you. And like, for me, that gives me the confidence to keep going and get through those tough times, you know, seeing I'm still here. Like there's a lot of things mm -hmm. that I've been through, um, good and bad. And like, like you said, I learned mostly through the hard times. I, I learned a lot, you know, so without those hard times, you wouldn't have those realizations or right. you wouldn't dive deep into trying to understand your own depression, like you're saying, and um, understand yourself like you do now. Right. Which is awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's beautiful, man. I, I think, again, it's such a weird time. I wonder how many times I'm going to say it's weird time. Um, but it's, you know, I feel like you see more and more the last like year or two, more people, you know, mid twenties, late, late twenties, whatever, like just kind of taking a look at, at their actions in their life and, yeah. their, I think, and just, I just re rephrasing things and re reshaping them. I don't know if it's like, we're more emotional. I mean, we're definitely like waking up as a society and people are looking at those things, you know, we can, we see that all around us more now than we ever have. And it's awesome. But, um, it's almost like we're getting more in tune with ourselves and more emotional and trying to like, understand ourselves and people are asking those questions and seeking those answers. And like, because of that, you're going to, you're going to find something, you know, or you're going to stumble right. across something else that might lead you down another rabbit hole right. that makes sense. You can connect this with that, you know? And yeah, you, yeah. you don't know what you don't know, man. That's right. You got to start unraveling it. Yeah. Um, so you're a positive dude. What, what's you're your positive dude? What's uh, no, you're a positive dude. <laughs> no, you're a positive dude. <laughs> we could do this all day. Uh, what's your, if someone who's just like bummed all the time, if they came up to you and it's an elevator, it's just the two of you, the door closes. They're like, Hey man, listen, I know this is weird. You don't know me, but I just know who you are. You're always nice and you're positive. Like what, do, what do you think differently than me? Yeah, that's a that's, great, that's question. a tough question to answer, but, but go ahead and try. That's a great question. Uh, I think really what I would do, I, we were talking about this before the podcast. I, I feel like I can feel like empathetically or whatever. I feel like I can feel what other people are feeling, you know? So maybe this guy gets in the elevator and I already know something's wrong with him coming in there. And like, mm -hmm. I would, uh, I mean, for anybody, if you're going through a tough time or like you're feeling bummed out, I think it's really important for me personally, you know, spending some time by yourself and asking those questions and uh really just trying to find out 
where things aren't really lining up for you. You know, maybe you're not doing something in your life that you should be doing that's making you feel some type of way and maybe bringing you down, you know. But then again, for other people, it's just you. the last thing you want is to be alone, you know. So I can't really relate with that because for me, I have a ton of power in, like, being alone. And uh, no matter how sad I am or anything, like, I want to feel those feelings internally. And, like, I think it's important to, if you're feeling some type of way, to get that out, whether you get it out with yourself, write it down on a piece of paper, you tell somebody – you don't, I don't want to hold it on to those feelings, you know? So, um, if you need to talk to somebody or whatever, and that works for you, but for me personally, I like to have that conversation with myself first and really just spend the right. day by myself. I'll, like I was telling you earlier, we'll drive, I'll drive out to Willow and just be by the water, be outside and just, it like resets you. There's so much going on. I feel like being in the wilderness, just kind of like mm-hmm. it's calming, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, man, I'm I'm super in the same boat. I do like nature really resets me. Um, yeah. I I think that. I mean, I, I, again, just kind of coupling it with where I was trying to define ourselves right now. Um, but you know, you're saying like in this moment in the elevator when someone's like, "Why are you happy all the time?" or "Why are you happy right now?" Like, "Why what do you got to smile about?" It's like, well, you it's because you didn't um, you know, let those things fester. Like you took some alone time and like, let's think about this. And like, what do I want? And and whatever, you know, I, I think yeah, we, we have I so totally, much momentum in our life. We, I totally just realized like the question that I thought you were asking me is like, if someone's bummed out, you know, like what would you do for that guy? But I, now I realized looking no, back, the question was like, how are you so happy and positive? Well, I mean, it's all kind of full circle. Like it's, it a, does, but I mean, we're still answering the question. Yeah. The answer continues, but I mean, as far as being like positive and happy, it's, I've, I've trained myself to just see the good in things, you know, and we were also talking earlier. Um, I'm very lucky to be surrounded by so much love as a kid with my grandparents, especially. And, uh, you know, I felt like they were always so worried about what was going on in my life. And they were so worried that I was going to take things a different way than I did that they there was so much love surrounding me always you know like they're always there for me if i need them or just even people just want to feel love so when you feel that there is people loving you and that was calming in itself you know but Mm -hmm. i mean it's for me a lot of it it's don't get me wrong i get sad i have bad days but like it's black and white you can be happy or you can be sad i feel and so I, I like to appreciate the sadness. I like to feel sad, but I don't like to dwell on it and hold on to it. You know what I mean? So mm. I'll feel the emotion. And I think because I'm not afraid to feel that emotion, it helps me let go and move on and be happier going forward. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. There is this, I mean, it's, it's so hard to like really conceptualize, but there is this, a lot of times when we're feeling the pain or we're feeling the anxiety, or we're feeling like the whatever, it's actually... Uh, we're keeping it alive by trying to like not feel it like yeah. by not actually push it feel away. it. Yeah. Like by trying to like avoid it, you know, that's why we're, you know, we're so addicted to our phones and we're so addicted to like, um, you know, like, like it, when you can't sit in a room cause like the crap comes up and you're like, yeah, oh, let's, let's do something else. You know, like a lot of your life could be that momentum. Mm. Um, and I, I think that, I think that 
we, like we, we were talking about um we keep referencing our conversation before our conversation know, right? but uh like on, on the way here there was like you know just on the freeway there was some dude who like wasn't really letting you over it was like a traffic you know light road rage situation of not that you got road rage but just a, a traffic situation right where anybody would you know reasonably be like come on dude or you're pissed or you're whatever whatever your level of behind the wheel anger is like you're there right yeah well you take the exit and you know that car keeps driving down the freeway or whatever like at what point are you going to choose to continue feeding that thought or, or at what point are you going to say oh, okay yeah i was kind of ticked off but anyway that's that i'm no longer on the freeway i'm yeah. just pulled into my driveway oh man i'm home that's you know like we'll hold on to these things on accident sometimes and just continue bringing them back up because we're like that was so wrong what that guy did that was so um like he cut me off you know why do you do like, that it's so annoying like fuck, who did nobody ever fucking teach him drive in your you're spending time in your life trying to figure out this person of why they got to where they're at and why they're not thinking the same way you yeah. are in this situation and we'll um a, a thought becomes a mood becomes a personality as joe Dispenza says i've said that on here a couple of times but it's true you know it's it's that holding on like you actually after a while of you know four or five minutes a lot of times of being angry about um you know kind of maybe sometimes fickle things we have to keep inserting it to stay angry we yeah. have to keep bringing it back up right oh you do you yeah. gotta feed it feed yeah. the beast so just notice when you're feeding the beast yeah you know and you never know i mean another thing that helps me out you know you're driving by and uh that guy cuts you off or whatever you never really know what somebody else is really going through you know mm. that guy might be rushing to the hospital to go see his mom one last time or you right, really never right. know like what other people are going through in their life and for I, I felt that myself, you know, like I've caught myself being snappy at other people and realizing, you know, I, I can't take that out on them, you know, that it's nothing that they did. They didn't do anything to make me feel this way, you know what I mean? So I'll catch myself, but mm. um, you never know, man. There's, life's crazy and things can happen like that and uh, things could be going really good for you one minute, the next minute your whole life could be upside down mm -hmm. and so don't get me wrong. I get up, I get angry, you know, road rage. I might have slightly, but, uh, driving is a very easy way to get me triggered. Right. But I, I always try to catch myself and, you know, remind myself that you never know what someone else has going on. Or, right. Right. I mean, dude, road rage, if you really think about it, like it's not that unreasonable. Like we're, we're biological. We're the thing that came after apes and we get, angry and like fight things that are trying to kill us so you're going emotion. 70 miles an hour in a metal box and like someone like doesn't do the thing that makes sure you're safe that yeah, like they, they don't contribute 100 like so of course it's like hey motherfucker like you like cutting people off and like putting doing traffic stuff is really like it's worthy of getting mad yeah. like hey man this is life and death like we don't screw around out here this is some serious stuff Very this true. is we we don't just oh dude you were making me not pay attention so you That's made me okay. bump into that tree yeah like, like as you're walking through the woods it's not like oh you made me trip over and, oh i stepped on that log it's like no no we're going real fast and this is metal and we could die yeah so there's like these reasonable things but yeah not, not holding on to it is, yeah. is so important um do you as i was as we're talking about it um I was thinking about the example from the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Have you read that one? I've listened to the audio book. Yeah. So there was a, I'm going to butcher it because it's been a while since I've, since I've read it. Um, but essentially it was like, there's this story on like perspective. I think it's when I had first like kind of learned about my perspective, I read it when I was younger. Um, essentially like there, there's this, 
um, subway, like these people are on a subway and there's, a, it's from this guy's perspective of, um, there's this dude next to him and he, this dude has kids and his kids are just like kind of being rowdy. Like his kids are just, they're hanging all over everything. They're being loud. They're like, and he's not telling his kids to like, guys, come on, there's other people on the subway, please sit down. And so the, the perspective of the, from the writer was like, sitting there and like he could sense you know like people are getting annoyed he's not the only one it's like somebody should really say something to this guy you know um so eventually he just he's like hey man like what you know just had a long day of work or whatever it was like could you could you have your kids calm down like they're disrupting the whole train ride and then the father like kind of comes to and he, and he looks around and he's like oh no and he, and he says i'm so sorry of course um i guess they're just a little upset because if we just came from the hospital their mom just died you know what I mean? Like, um, and that's not the exact story, but that's, that's pretty, that's close. perspective for yeah. you, man. And that's, and, and he talks about afterwards, like how it just like flipped the switch for me. Like, Oh, you're you like know. a freight train and you're like, man, I feel like a dick. Right. Yeah. Um, in, uh, you know, our, our perspective, cause I remember after I'd read that book, um, this was like in high school, it was like a defining moment for me. It was like, I had freshly read that book or like within a couple of weeks or something. And some dude po had pulled out in front of me. I was on the way to like my high school girlfriend's house and he pulled out in front of me like out of nowhere. And I didn't even have a single second of like anger or like gripping or anything. It was literally just like a, I was present with the moment and I like let off the gas and he went in front of me because instantly I was thinking about that book and instantly I was like, oh, like maybe he has like an emergency. He just had to like peel out. Like what yeah. if he just like has to get and you know, likely not, but like what's, what's the, what's the positive benefit of me trying to figure out why this asshole cut me off Yeah. of me trying to like figure out why he's such an asshole and why I'm better than him and blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I think when we look at our own perspectives, it allows other people to like, you know, be more lenient with our perspectives too. Um, it's, it's cool. We can learn from stories like that too. You know, like when you, that anecdotal evidence really sticks with you you know when you hear a story like that and that the way that guy felt when he asked that question because those kids were acting in that way you know when he was getting impatient right uh really it really sticks for me at least you know right um what i feel like you're a book reader i love books if i had to say just first thing that comes to mind number one book the light shall set you free light shall set you free. all right all right it, yeah. T tell me about it tell listeners about it so sell us this book. You'll have to read it for yourself because I believe that, I mean, you're going to get what you want out of a book. You know what I mean? We can mm -hmm. read the same book and take something differently from it, but we'll highlight all different sentences, man. Yeah. The whole book. I would actually highlight this whole book. Every word is just gold, but yeah. So it starts off. Um, it's very interesting. So this book, the time that I read it, like, I'm trying to think of like how to say this, but it, uh, it's not a religious book, but this book helped me realize and look at, uh, Jesus in a, in a different way than just a religion. And like, I can kind of go into what I mean by that, but pull this thing a little bit closer to you. <clears throat> um, so it, the book starts off given like this, this background of, Kind of what it's going to be about uh kind of going into the terminology with this book it says things like ascended masters and um it talks about chakras and universal laws and uh, i don't think i ever rem remembered hearing any of those words before i read the book and so um 
I dive into the book and uh, I'm trying to like think what I can tell you without just telling you about the whole book. Right. But, um, well, I mean, it's fine. I mean, you can't really explain a whole book even if you want to. Dude, this book is... Explain to it from your perspective and and they'll go read it. Yeah. So, um, man, what can I even say about the book? Yeah, I don't even really know what I could say. I I do just recommend like reading the book and taking from it what you will, but, um, it, it, it led things out. It laid things out for me so nicely for me to understand, you know, what chakras are, how to, uh, how I can use them to benefit me and my life spiritually. And then it goes in after speaking about the chakras, universal laws. And like, I got, like, so the way that it went for me, I got really into like conspiracies and stuff. And I would stay up, you know, when I was a kid for hours, just watching YouTube videos about conspiracies. And I, yeah. I, yeah. And I, I found myself living almost in worry, you know? So it was like, how does this benefit me if like now I'm living in this worry that there's something going on that I can't do anything about. And, um, a year's passed and we're in the same boat. Nothing's changed like outside except for the way that I feel inside, you know? Mm. And so once I got out of the conspiracy, I started like focusing on success principles. Right. And, uh, they, it was another thing for me to kind of dive into, get lost in and kind of learn about. And I loved the concept of like, um, well through success principles, they brought up the law of attraction. Right. And like, I loved the idea that, at the time I thought I could just think of whatever I want. and like, it just happens in my life. I was like, great. That's exactly what I'm looking for. And uh, like, as I searched for what the law of attraction really meant, this book ended up popping up in my life. And there's this part in the back of the book that talks about the universal laws and it talks, breaks down like more than just a law of attraction. There's, I forget how many, but over 15 different universal laws and then some sub universal laws and uh, that book opened up a bunch of like understanding for me and like understanding how I could think in this different way and almost like crack the code to life, you know, and like mm. it, it helped me understand how I can just find answers within myself and how I can like make my life exactly the way that I want it to be, you know, through thoughts. And, uh, so that's why I originally started reading the book, but there's, it goes into a lot more stuff other than that. But yeah, it, it's an amazing book. It literally leaves me speechless. Ah, oh, dude, I'm, yeah. I'm pumped to, to read it because you brought it up earlier and you're the same thing. You're like, dude, it's, you got it. It's I, so good. Yeah. The universal law thing though was a, a big one for me. Things like, you know, what comes up, the law of polarity, what goes up must come down, you know? And so it helped me realize and appreciate the rain and the darkness in life because you know, how good is the sunshine without the rain? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If Mm -hmm. it's all, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. We we decouple it. I I think the, you know, cause I, I started learning about when I was like started massively just like watching YouTube videos and like obviously a lot of the motivational videos and stuff too, like in the mornings that I always just try to get my mind right, you know, before I do my yoga and meditation, just get positive and get like, Oh yeah. Okay. I do want to do these things. I want to get this area of success and blah, blah. Um, law of attraction came up like, and I remember, I remember at first, like, I thought that I knew about it. Like I thought I I went into it like, yeah, like I'm, I know that corny shit, like Mm -hmm. whatever. And then like you start learning about it and you start, you know, 
I started listening to hours and hours of people's different perspectives on it and people like, you know, not so much like here's, here's what I manifested. Um, and, and it gave me this, like not so much that because that was always like, well, you know, maybe that's proof that it happened to other people, but it doesn't make sense of like, um, how it works with the reality, you know, like, mm-hmm. but you start learning about this stuff and law of attraction and there's, um, like more than just the movie, the secret, if you've ever seen that one, the, oh, yeah. the document, like it starts, here's the thing. I think that the way that we perceive reality, like the way that we're always trying to look at reality is we're always trying to discover what's the truth. What's mm-hmm. the, well, that's not real. That's not the truth. But like, what is the truth says who, you know, like right. we all have different answers when it comes to truth. We all have different ways that we learned it, you know, through the hundreds and thousands of years, like what, what it passed down to. Um, and I think that like, so for me, when I started learning like the law of attraction stuff and, and things in that similar realm, it was just like, Oh, this is, this is a way that I could structure my thoughts um, that leads to like positive and not just like downward spirals and not just trying to feed my lower conscious feelings, not trying to like it, it allowed me to dream and like put my dreams in kind of like a plan and let myself like, cause listen, man, like, like what, what if nobody ever believed in themselves? Nobody. What if Einstein never believed in himself? What if any actor you've ever seen or known or any song you've ever heard, what if Jimi Hendrix never believed in himself? That's the thing. We have this like, wait, like, am I, am I supposed to like believe that I actually want those things? Like, should I act like, is someone going to make fun of me if they, if they saw inside my mind and they see that I'm kind of like wishing that I was a a movie director one day? Like, like, you know, we, we get caught up in like, feeling nervous to even allow ourselves to believe these things. Uh, and for me, when I started, you know, the law of attraction stuff, I started, I'm, I'm such an open person. Like I'm like, let's experience it. Like, like maybe like after a couple of months, once I've had some time to like think about it, then I'll decide like, I don't, you know, I don't know if I believe that or not, but I like remaining in disbelief and experiencing things. Mm. And, and afterwards, like right afterwards, if I feel amazing and it hasn't like, you know, harmed my life, like, and it's like, well, like that feels good to believe those thoughts. Like, why not sit in that? Why not yeah. explore that a little bit more? Um, I love that. Yeah, dude. I think I, I'm really excited to read that book. I want to learn more about the, the other laws. Like, does it show, uh, is it like, does it say anything about like raw and the law of one and stuff like that? In there? Yeah, there's a law of oneness in there. Um, it, there's a lot of things that I never really put into thinking about, but, um, there's the law of oneness and that's another thing the book talks about is like how how we're all connected you know and we were talking earlier about uh your chakras and the forget how you said it but your chakras from your like throat chakra up Mm -hmm. past your crown chakra and everything that's like who you were right and uh that documentary i was watching before we came over here the autobiography of a yogi talked about uh your excuse me, your spine and your chakra energy centers going up through your body and then out past your body are like what connects you to the divine or like everything, the oneness, you know? And um, it's a crazy concept. And the more that like you look into it, I feel like the more it makes sense to you for me. And uh, like... Yeah. I don't know. That's a crazy, it's a crazy feeling. Cause there's so many times that like I've had this one thought and like, uh, well, I know you've probably experienced it too. Like you're thinking this thing and then whoever you're with says something about that thing, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, 
everything is connected and it's, it's a trip to think it about, but right. it's so like comforting also to think about, you know, right. like we're all in this together and, um, just on different journeys and like different experiences, but it's all like contributing to the same picture. Right. Yeah. You know, those, did you ever read those goosebumps, those goosebumps books, like choose your own thriller? Like, like or choose your own, like, it's like, go to this page. Like, if you would like to do this in this scenario, flip to page 49. Uh-huh. Or if you would like to, so it was essentially like, um, like a scare. Like, did you ever read the Goosebumps books? Yeah, for sure. So they had some of them. They had, um, I remember, I just thought it was so, such a cool thing. I was like, you can do that with a book? You can make, you can make me skip those pages and still give me a story? Well, that's crazy. Like, so, so essentially you get to, you know, the end oh, of chapter it. one, it sets you up like, you meet this person and you follow them into the woods and then you're at a fork in the road and they ask if you want to go to the left side or if you want to go to the right side, what do you do? If you go to the right side, turn to page 49. If you go to the left side, turn to page 38. And so you would follow, it's like choose your own adventure. Are you kidding me? Right? I never know about that. Oh, they were super cool. Um, I think they have something similar like that on Netflix now, actually. uh, Interesting. In in some sort of way. But uh, I, you know, I think like, what if you like look at life like that? Like instead of trying to think that you like, okay, I know this to be 100% true and I know this is what you do and I have this knowledge and this is how I stay safe and not die. So I'm just going to do that. Like what if you just like as different experiences come up in life, you say like, hmm, what's up with that? Like should I, maybe I should go check that out. Yeah. You know? uh, I, I love that you say you like to live in disbelief and like, you keep yeah. that open mind throughout things that you do. That's awesome. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I try to, it's a, I, you know, I, being a chameleon, like being a chameleon personality type, like being able to like match other people. Um, I enjoy it. It's a natural thing for me. It's like how, it, but it's, it's how I learned like a survival technique as we were talking earlier. Mm-hmm. It was so, sometimes there is a little bit of trouble, like trying to find the constant, like trying to find like, man, what do I believe in? Like what, what is like my, like what solidifies me in mm-hmm. my like beliefs, you know? And like now, like over the last few years, I've like established my like values. I've established like what, like what, what I want to stick to and like what divots I'm good with staying in. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like, you know, now I, I like embracing the fact that like, I'm not like a super solid, like a cookie cutter. Yeah. Like I I enjoy being, um, you know, ditto from Pokemon. I enjoy like, I enjoy like when someone comes into the room and they're like exuberantly happy and like, I can like just try to find the level that they're on and explore like why they're happy and what, what they're about. Um, instead of just like thinking about myself and this whole time is, you know, life opens up and you learn more about people Mm. and, you know, um, you get to choose your own adventure as you go along. That's right. It makes it interesting. It's yeah. cool. It's fun being uh, like how to win friends and influence people. Have you ever read that book? No, I haven't. I've, I've read the the synopsis, like the, yeah, the bleakest. Kind of, so what's interesting with that book, what I took from that book is, uh, you know, being interested in other people. And so, you know, when you come into meeting with somebody, instead of being so self-absorbed with yourself, you know, really taking an interest into what makes them who they are, you right. know, and... Dude, that's a, that's actually, this is a cool place because that is kind of, um, there's not avoidance, but that's kind of an antidote to anxiety, like, or self-consciousness. So for listeners who, um, wait, Reef, so you're saying that looking in to find out how other people is a sign of that? Interesting. Mm-hmm. So 
a lot of times we walk into a room. So say you're anxious, say you're, um, you're feeling like one of those nights where it's just like self-absorbed where you're kind of thinking about yourself and you're like, are people going to like my outfit or, or, you know, we all get it. Like uh, I have a zit on my face or, Mm -hmm. um, I'm a little too drunk walking into this new bar. Is everybody looking at me and wondering if I'm the most (laughs) drunk person here? It's like, for one, nobody's thinking shit about you probably, but for two, you know, in that same spot, like sometimes our minds can get caught in these loops of like insecurity sometimes and just constantly like, Oh, are they thinking this about me? Are they thinking this about me? You're trying to like figure out what everybody else is thinking about you. But like as an antidote to chaos in that area, you could almost like, I'm not even going to think about myself at all. I'm not even going to think, do I like these people? Do they like me? I'm just going to try to like them. I'm just going to learn about them. I'm just going to ask them questions about them. And you'll notice like, you know, 15 minutes later, you're in this like interesting conversation. And this dude is like, you never expected it, but he's been a librarian for 30 years. Right. Having a good conversation about books or something, you know? Yeah. And then you'll realize like, oh, I'm not even thinking about my own insecurities. Like, oh, I look down. Oh, I have a stain on my shirt. I didn't even notice because I wasn't even, th- I was just learning about this I other person. It's, a, it's an antidote to, to like self-imposed chaos sometimes is, is, you know, I get being self-conscious. I get being so concerned with what everybody else in the room is thinking about you. I mean, something I struggle with hardcore, especially being a DJ. Like, mm. like if I mess up and like 30 people in the room, like look up at me, I'm like, Ooh, yeah. oh man. Like it's, it's, it's really hard. It's just a human thing. Like, it's like, Oh, are these, are these 150 people in my tribe going to reject me? Do they hate me? Am I going to die out in the woods by myself now? That's like yeah. our, our biological body is kicking in. Do you think that's why you get that feeling then? Like, I mean, so why be insecure? Are you saying, yeah, like why as humans naturally, because I mean, I'm sure we've all felt insecure at some point in our life, but why? Why do you, right. why is that a natural feeling for a lot of people? You know what I mean? Do you think that, you know, because what I'm kind of recommending is like, I get it, I see it, but just don't feed it. Try not to feed it. Yeah. And so, like, and I don't want to seem like a distraction. Like, don't use learning about other people as a distraction to not feel your insecurity. But a lot of the times, when we're insecure, when we're especially in like public situations, for me anyway, it was just because I kept feeding it. I kept like trying to find new ways to bring it back up. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept like trying to like reify it. In 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 in, um, you know. Also, sometimes we could just try to wrestle with it in our own heads. Like you're um, in, in my head, I guess I'm in like a public place, but still being insecure in this public place. Mm-hmm. Um, when we just the same as we were talking about, you get off the freeway and at some point you got to be like, dude, just let go of the fact that that dude cut you off because mm-hmm. what's in front of you, you just pulled home, you're in your driveway now, you're happy. I'm it's all good. Um, in that same way, like you almost choose to stop thinking about that dude who cut you off. You almost got to stop choosing to think bad things about yourself Yeah. and, and almost in a good antidote to do that in a public place is to just bright eyed, look around and just learn about these people and just yeah. ask them and just be genuinely interested. And it's like, the more you learn about other people and the more like you have genuine conversations with other people, you start to learn more about yourself. Mm. Um, yeah, I just I think it's a good antidote to chaos there too. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good way to think about it. I never thought of it being like an anecdote to chaos, you know, or like if you're feeling that type of way, a good way to help you feel more comfortable and bring yourself back to what's going on right now instead of being lost in your head and all those thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. is to ask some questions or, you know, look around. Right. Um, I want to talk about a little about just physical health too. 
If you're down, yeah. I feel like you're a pretty physically healthy, dude. Let's talk um, about physical health. You drinking this water? What's this water about? That's a good question. It's a uh, called Kangen Water by this company Enagic, and it's it's it looks like water, <laughs> tastes like water. It is water, but it's alkalized, ionized water. And pretty much, I hooked this machine up on my counter, put it connected to the tap water throughout the faucet turn my faucet on and it goes through this machine and it goes through this process called electrolysis. And there's five platinum coated titanium plates that shock the water. And when the water's shocked it, um, so the doctor that there's these five spots around the world, one spots in Lourdes, France, I forget where the other ones are like Tecate's Mexico or whatever it is. But, um, there's these bodies of water that, are known to have extremely crazy health benefits. And so people line up for miles to get this water um, and live this healthy life. Um, a scientist sought out to find out what's so special about this water, right. can I recreate it? And I think uh, like the conclusion they came up with, I could be wrong, so research it, but um, I think that the water was charged from like lightning and get shocked and so it gave this water this property this ionized property that was really good for us and so um it shocks the water and it restructures the water and makes it smaller so that it's easily absorbed into the body it makes it alkaline and so disease can't thrive in a acidic environment so you want your body to be alkaline and Mm. so that's the idea behind that and it uh so it gives the water um ORP, which is uh, it's oxidization reduction potential, and it gives it a negative charge. So it charges this water, right? And we're electric beings. Like that's, we're electrically, you know, we have a charge. And so um, normal water drinks, you know, that are Gatorade, things like that, they're all oxidizing our body. And so when you eat an apple or you take a bite and you leave it out sitting there and it starts to turn brown, mm it's oxidizing, it's getting older, you know? So the things that we typically consume that aren't uh, negatively charged are oxidizing our body, you know? And so this water helps preserve your body and uh, all of its functions, it helps you. People don't realize too, like being made up mostly of water, you need water in your life, like more than you really think. And uh, I found even just drinking any water, like if you drink and consume more water, you feel better, you'll sleep better, mm-hmm. you'll have more energy and just everything joints, yeah. depression, anxiety, like it's, it's, it helps everything. It's it my dad helps. went to the doctor and had a, a herniated disc and he showed me a picture and like it looked, he goes, this is where, you know, this is my disc. This is uh, supposed to be water surrounding it. This is where the disc is cracked or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, it looks like you don't really have water where you should have water. What if you tried just drinking more water? And so I start bringing him over water and his back started feeling better, you know, just from drinking water and doctors are out here wanting to give you, you know, Oh, your back hurts. Here's some pills, you know? And, uh, that's a whole nother story. But, um, yeah, man, water's as far as physical health goes, I think water has been the single most important thing that I've done. Um, to change my life for the better. And I commit to drinking a gallon of water every day. Savage. 
I pee a lot, you know, it sucks, but I feel so cleansed because of it. And right. like, it's, it's one of those things you don't know what you don't know, you know? And so if you've never drank a gallon of water and felt your, how clean you feel, you know, you don't know what you're missing out on. Right. Drink your water. Drink your water. I know I'm always nagging on people on this podcast to drink some water. Dude, it's it's just one of the easy, it's the lowest hanging fruit. Like, come on. Like, yeah, it's and so it's, easy. You know, and, and you can install a lot of things. I always say you give things power. Like every time you take a drink of water, what if also you try to become present? What if yeah. every time you put that thing up, every time it touches your lips, that. you say, oh yeah, I have lips and I have taste and I have, I have sight and I have sound. And you just take 10 seconds as you're drinking your water to just like, all right, whatever thoughts that I was just like, fucking skyrocketed towards for the last three days since I drank my last water. Yeah. <laughs> like you can really slow yourself down. It's just a good way to get president. I president, uh, <laughs> it's a good way to get present. And like, um, I, I actually like, I have little catchphrases that I add like uh lion, um, something I have like on the inside of my glasses. And when I think about that, that's just my word that's packed with like, Oh yeah, man, posture, get oh. your posture, right? Like how are you feeling right now? Like relax the muscles that you were just holding in your face, mm. your shoulders. Are you kind of tensed up? Like where, like what's your, what are your feet doing right now? Are your hips kind of out of balance? Like how's your, how are you standing both feet on the floor? Those sort of things that like, you know, we, we don't have to, if, or we would go mad if we had to think about all the time, right? Oh, like yeah. we, we don't pump our heart. We don't do our organs. Like it's doing it for us. Yeah. And we have, we have a lot of habits and ways that we do things that we've also in that same way, like just, uh, you know, simplify it so we don't have to think about it. It's our subconscious 95% of yeah. the time working for us. So the drinking water, like, um, whether it's, it's it Kagan, how do you spell it? Kagan? A-A-N-G-E-N. It Kagan. actually means bring back to origin in Japanese, I think. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, like it's super That's beautiful. Cool. But yeah. it's funny you mentioned that too, because um, subconsciously when I do drink water, because I've like, personally, this water's really helped out like uh, my... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, helped out. I mean, my grandma had, um, she had, so her and my grandpa both got diagnosed with cancer in the same year. And in that same year, they both also got diagnosed with diabetes in the same year. So it was pretty tough. Um, my grandpa has since had the cancer removed and has been in remission for a while. So that's good. And uh, my awesome. grandma, yeah, thank you. And my grandma was told that she has this kind of cancer. She's a retired nurse, has this uh, type of cancer that'll never go away, they say, right? And so she's got to come in, I think, every three to six months for this checkup and kind of see if your tumors are growing or anything. Um, so I can't. I move back. I'm starting to drink the water, and I'm posting stuff on it because, uh, I mean, my family likes – they're on Facebook, and so whenever I post stuff, they respect my opinion. I feel like they look at that stuff and uh, – Sure enough, that's what happened. My grandma says, hey, I want to give this water a shot. You know, awesome. if you're saying that, it'll be something really cool and beneficial for me. And so I was like, great. And uh, she committed to drinking water. She was drinking around a gallon a day. I don't know if she was sticking to the whole gallon and uh, was drinking the water for maybe like three months and went back to the do one of her little scans to see if her tumors have grown or anything. And they had her uh, swallow this dye and the dye would be absorbed into the tumors. And so you would see on a scan where the tumors were, right? And if they've grown. Um, so the doctor was looking at it. She has the dye and stuff and they, uh, her tumors hadn't gotten any bigger. I don't remember if they had subsided in size or not. 
Um, but the, the doctor looked at her and said, uh, I think that you can say that you're in remission at this point. And so my grandma's like the only, her and her doctor are both baffled, but the only thing that she's changed is drinking the water, mm. which dude, I mean, if I could do, if she was the only person that benefited from the water, like it just feels so good, you know? And, uh, I remember my grandpa, my dad telling me the story, but, um, was going through all this and uh, my grandpa told my dad, I don't know what I would do without her, you know? And like at that time, I didn't assume the responsibility, but I felt, who am I if I've got this water and I know that it does, it's said right. to do this for you and I don't share it with her, you know what I mean? And so. Believing in yourself, just like we were saying earlier. Man. Believing, dude. Like, you gotta like, if you have that little intuition of like, dude, like what, what's it gonna hurt? Like are, are people gonna like, try to like make fun of me and say that I'm wrong. Like, cool, whatever. Like you can say that I'm wrong or you can think whatever you want. If you've never learned the things that I've learned, yeah. you haven't done the research. That's fine. Yeah. But like, like why wouldn't I help this person? Yeah. You know? It was amazing. And her, uh, her diabetes also, she doesn't have to take, uh, insulin as much. So I'm not really familiar with diabetes, how it works, but, um, I know a little bit and I know that when she started drinking the water, her insulin levels, uh, or whatever levels it is that they check, blood sugar, something like that, um, stabilized. And so she didn't have to take as much insulin. Mm. And it was more on a scheduled uh, basis that she would be taking it. And then I remember her one day she was saying, you know, I had, uh, she goes, last night I had some M&Ms before bed and I was sure my blood sugar would be super high when I woke up. And she checked it and it was like, 53 or something like that, which I guess is really good. And so she's like, all I've been doing is drinking the water. And so mm. she's like, you know, you, you crave it at that point, you know? Right. I mean, we're, we're biological creatures. Like we, yeah. we really do accidentally, like just because we're so, we're so separated from our like food supply. It's like you go to the store to get your food, but like the long process of how it even got there and how it was yeah. made and how it was thought of and how it was like all this stuff. Um, food, water, everything we consume, we kind of do forget that it's like what constructs who we are. Like it's what oh constructs, a, you know, like we don't really fully understand the human consciousness, but as someone who has suffered severely from depression, like, like the, the food that you eat, the, the things that you drink, like that all affects your thoughts. 100%. Like it, it's, it's like, like if I've been d drinking for four days in a row, like the fifth day, it's like, it's very hard to find that like super positive, optimistic side of me, Yeah, you know? And, um, no and, and I, I think it all just comes full circle. Like our bodies are magic, man. Like think about what they're doing. They're Amazing. doing, they're just right now. My heart's beating. Yeah. My lungs are just, just going in and out. They know exactly the amount of air that I need or of, of oxygen and CO2 to like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we think about health and we think about food and what we consume, um, like the quality of our water and everything. We think of it. Um, a lot of the times we don't really address it unless it's either it tastes good or bad or, it's going to give me weight on my physical body or not. And, and I always just try to emphasize, like, don't think about food in your body on like a weight scale, Eel. like physical. Yeah. Like how, how do you feel like, and you know, when you eat healthy, you start to notice. And when you, when you like drink healthy and you like limit how much alcohol you're intaking and all, and you start taking care of your body, you start noticing that like you're, you just start feeling better. And what yeah. does that mean? Like that's, you know, that's, we say that as such a blanket term, but it's one of the most important things. When you feel better, you, uh, 
have less anger towards your kids and your dog and yeah. you it doesn't hurt as much when you get out of bed and your knee doesn't creak as much and you're able to stay up for an hour longer because you're not as exhausted and there's so many different things that like your life can compound if you wanted to start a business if you wanted to like i want to be an entrepreneur but i work eight hours a day if you only got two hours a day to work on your business well they're going to be served a lot better if you're sharp if you're yeah. focused if you're hydrated if you're drinking your yeah. water man it's just, it's, it's great. That's really cool. Thanks for sharing that story about Graham yeah. too. I'm, I'm, it's funny too. Cause like, uh, as far as like healthy eating and things like that, like I'm very lucky. I've got a really fast metabolism and growing up, you know, I didn't have home cooked meals, things like that. I, I got whatever it is that I could. And we were talking earlier too. I felt like a burden as far as like being another mouth to feed if I was at a friend's mm. house or something. So, right. you know, are you hungry? Can I make you something? No, I'm fine. Thanks. You know? And I don't want to be a burden. And so um, with that, growing up for like a, a good chunk of my life, uh, my dad can cook some mean enchiladas, but that's about it. And uh, we ate out a lot. You know what I mean? I was always eating fast food and things like that. And uh, luckily, my metabolism is so quick. You know, I didn't. It's not that I gained a bunch of weight or anything like that. But beyond that, I realized that processed foods, they're not good for you. And it's like the compound effect, you know, if you're continuously doing that, I'm young right now, my body's like efficient, you know, everything's working good. So it can break down those foods and like use it as it needs to, and it'll be fine. But when I'm 50, if I'm still doing that, my body's not going to be in the same shape it's in. And, you know, maybe, maybe I've got blood clots or I have a heart attack or something at a really young age from eating all this stuff. Right. And so I've recently had myself a nice bowl of spinach, raw spinach before I came here and a couple mm. bananas. And so nice. uh, I do intermittent fasting every day. So uh, oh, yeah. not every day, that's a lie, but we can talk touch on that. But yeah. um, I typically don't eat till about one o'clock. And so um, when you're fasting, I haven't done a bunch of research on like extended fasts or anything like that, but I do know that you want to break your fast with like a fruit or something really like a juice, maybe something light on your stomach. You don't want to go straight to KFC and just eat a bunch of greasy chicken. Certainly not. So um, I, I, I've been making it a point to break a fast with some fruit and uh, eating a lot more fruit and uh, veggies. I started with like, blending a bunch of spinach in like a shake or whatever. But like I now know, now that I know it's feeling my body and it's good for me, I like love the taste of spinach. It tastes like it's just green. That's the best way to explain what it tastes like. You know, right. it's not very, for most people, it's not that good, but like I crave it. It's really, it is good. You right. Know what I, mean? I, I think that the more that you convince your, like convince your body and like learn about things and you're like, like the more you're like, as you're about to eat that that bite of a spinach you tell your brain it's like dude this is good this oh, makes me so feel good. good this makes my tummy happy which makes yeah. my brain happy and balances my serotonin and i love that like yeah. the more you do that the more it's like you you see these things as less like oh I, I i don't want that because i want cheeseburger mouth pleasure i don't yeah. want green spinach mouth pleasure i want cheeseburger mouth pleasure like you gotta you you can like train your brain to know that it's healthy for you. And as yeah. you're like thinking of those like four higher consciousness parts of yourself, rather than like the lower, like give me this food so I can feel the most comfortable and all these dopamine releases right now. Like I just want to, yeah. I mean, Hey, I love it too, but it's, yeah. it's a, it's a training, you know, it's we're we're in a crazy, like the fact that we can 
I can get in my car or even go for a walk and go get like Burger King, McDonald's, like all, all these like foods that like they seriously, you know, they taste just delicious and you crave oh, yeah. them. Like, but the feeling that you feel afterwards, like that does say something. Cause you know, after I have like a steak and, and some veggies and like, it's delicious too. Mm-hmm. Like I don't feel all shitty afterwards. It's no. so, like, what's that about? You know? So I can I feel know. like the burger that you have or whatever. And like, cause for a lot of the time, uh, when I was lifting and I was trying to gain weight and everything is like eat anything and everything that you possibly can. And so dirty bulk, I'm just, you know, going to Jack in the box, Burger King, and I'm eating all this food in these empty calories. And like, I'm feeling so bloated. So I go to bed like, yeah, I did my job. Like I should be gaining weight. But like, as I switch to eating more, I still eat, you know, greasy food. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but yeah, me too. Um, it's a, it's all about balance, but when I get full on fruit and veggies and stuff, my stomach doesn't feel bloated. You know, it's more of a, my stomach's full, but it's more of like a flat full. You know what I mean? Right. And, uh, that, like you said, that tells you something. Yeah. I mean, nature has made these things in such a peculiar way that they seem to work for our body. Like it, you know, it's a, an apple has the right amount of, you know, fiber in mm-hmm. it to, to, for us to break it down. But when we take an apple, um, and we make it into apple juice, our body doesn't process it the same way that it would if we ate an apple because it doesn't have the fiber. It just has like the sugars from it and the mm, taste. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, double look that. Yeah. I feel like, but reg- I mean, it's, it the, makes yeah, it sensible anyway, though. Yeah, like yeah. our body, we, we have such a complicated process in there. And I think that a lot of the, the times we're consuming things day by day by day um, and not giving our body like a break to like, work properly and um you know there's there's so many documentaries that you can watch like that sugar doc or that sugar film i think it's on amazon prime if you haven't seen that one that's mm-hmm. a good one they explain a lot um i think like how uh, like insulin works or, or how like what our body does with these leftover like sugar fats in the in the glucose and like what what it ends up doing like once our body gets full of like okay i can't process any more of that or i don't need any more in here and then like it kind of shows you they they lay out kind of what your body does to it afterwards and it's like oh that's why i feel i would love to see that because that that sugar film yeah yeah that's it's weird too and i mean it might get a little weird but um, yeah weird like your your gut tells you a lot about how healthy you are you know and like a, a really good way it's funny my girlfriend her dad he's passed now but like one thing he used to always say is like you should be able to enjoy your poop you know you should have should be able to sit down and like have a good poop and it's like that it's weird but like it tells you a lot about how you how your body's doing you know and like um if you're eating a bunch of processed foods and stuff it's it's not enjoyable you're lacking the fiber and stuff that you're talking about that does whatever it's supposed to do you know to make that thing okay and Mm -hmm. um to be candid with you that was like the first sign when i was like I need to take more of a serious approach with what I'm eating. It, like when I didn't start enjoying my poops, you know what I mean? And it's like just suffering in the bathroom. Yeah. Well, you're something's got to give the disease. Like it begins in the gut and there's a, so the guy that co-created the colonoscopy, um, won't see any of his patients without them first drinking Kagan water for 30 days or something like that. Oh. And so be, the reason why is because it detoxes your body at such a level and like your colon specifically, um, it will cleanse it out in such a way where a lot of the problems a lot of people have would be solved if they were drinking the right water or enough water. And so, um, 
knowing that I, I was like, you know, I can't just act like it's not happening, you know, because I look fine or whatever on the outside, you know, something's going on inside my body. And if I don't address it now, it's maybe it'll be too late, you know what right. I mean? Or it'll be a, a life or death situation at that point. And so, well, I think that people don't dude. for me, we identify with everything we do and we also separate ourselves from the things that we don't want to like, like I would mm. eat crappy for a long time and then I would be, I'd be farty. I'd be gassy. I'd have like multiple poops during the day and they weren't pleasant. They were just like, just riveting. Yeah. Um, and, and I, Oh, you know, of course that food makes me feel like a little bit different, but like, I just have a shitty digestive system. My digestive system, you know, I just like, I would, I I would just explain my way out of it. of like, well, that's just how my body is, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then like you start really eating healthy or you start, like I started fasting, um, and that helped my body a ton start to like heal again. Um, Mm. cause when I was younger, I did so much fucking fast food. Uh, I worked at the mall when I was 16 and like, it was like every meal, like, I mean, three meals a day you eat like some form of fast food or like food court stuff. Yeah. Um, but so I think, I think like starting to really get in tune with how you feel is something that like seems so obvious, but a lot of us don't really stop or slow down to think about it. But oh, true. yeah, if, if you're, Hey, if you're in the bathroom listener, like all, all the time right now, if you're in the bathroom, if you're pooping right now, it's terrible. Like, you know, let's talk about it. But, <laughs> no, uh, but if you, you know, if you go to the restroom and, and your, your stomach's bloated, you're, you have inflammation all the time. Um, mm, it's a big you're, one. you're gassy, you, you burp a lot. Um, you know, it's like, uh, like, you know, when I drink, when I'm drinking beer, like I start getting burpy and that's oh, just, yeah. you know, your body is just, processing it differently than it would water right Right. and it's not it's not like as soon as you start burping it's like oh no i'm killing myself this is terrible it's like notice if you're burpy 24 7 are you consuming something you shouldn't be 24 7 yeah um just your your diet affects so many other things and to me when i'm not inflamed man like my my brain feels so much more clear when i'm not just covered in inflammation it's so true and you mentioned earlier too like your thoughts are better when you're eating better like it's so true it's so correlated it's crazy yeah it's, it's which amazing. is that's just i mean that's just crazy like that's i wish that i could like scientifically weave the gap with one sentence right there like how yeah. does eating better food make you not want to die as much but <laughs> there's something um i want to uh fasting i, I mm-hmm. so fasting i stumbled into um intermittent fasting so typically mine is uh, stop eating at some point like let's say stop eating at nine and then the next day um i don't like set a timer i don't like thoroughly follow it um i'm pretty blessed to like you know work from home for the most part but uh i like i don't eat till like probably like two or so um sometimes one but essentially i try to get over i think it's 14 hours in my head yeah. like i check i'm like oh I'm, I'm feeling kind of hunger um has it been 14 hours yes or no um I don't know the exact like windows when it comes to like 12, 14, 16, but I do know that I feel better. I'm less distracted. Like once I'm in that fasting zone, like those last few hours before you eat, like I feel like I'm cognitively just a fucking genius. Sometimes I don't even want to eat, bro. It's like I've got, I'm so focused and so energetic. It's nuts. So convince my listeners who have never tried fasting. um, One more thing, actually, before we get into that, I want you to convince listeners to to fast. But uh, I will say for me, one thing when it comes to like looking back at like my childhood or looking back at like, okay, what have I learned that's not helping me? What am I doing that I can un- unlearn and do something differently? So 
when it came to eating, I actually had my mom is like a huge, um, her mother was diabetic and she passed away from that. My mom's like a huge hypochondriac when it comes to things like this. Um, I remember just repeating, my sisters would say it, my mom would say it. Um, if you feel, if you're like feeling dizzy and you haven't eaten in a while, your blood sugar's probably low. You need to get some food in you. And so like I had this thing where it's like if it had been like four hours since I've eaten, I would start to get panicked because I'm like, oh, my, my blood sugar's low. Mm. And I, it's not that I would like say it out loud so much, but it was almost like this background thought that I didn't realize that I had always had of like, I would almost get like panicky if it had been a few hours since I'd eaten. So when I first started to fast, I was like, am I like sick? Like, yeah, I feel kind of like I'm hungry. I'm kind of shaky. Like, am I like, am I going to die? Am I, like, am I diabetic? And I haven't confirmed it. Like, blah, blah, blah. Um, but eventually you start telling your body it's kind of like being in a sauna right you're like yeah i'm hot man it's i'm not gonna die though it's okay yeah. i'm safe you start telling your body like okay it's not the blood sugar thing it's not you're not you're not dying you're used to eating very often mm -hmm. but you know you've done the research you've watched these videos there's tons of people who do it um i've got some emergency walnuts right here if i'm really feeling like i'm gonna pass out or something but uh, exploring the fasting thing and like pushing your edges of like man it's, oh it's been nine hours since i've eaten i actually you know, I've, I've been kind of working and like keeping busy. I really don't feel that starving. Mm -mm. Um, so for me, I just wanted to unwind the fact that I had a belief that I didn't realize that I really had um, that was like running why I would never try fasting um, because I thought my blood sugar would be low. So sell me on fasting, Dave. Well, the, as you mentioned, the hardest is the first week or two, you know, as your body gets used to this new schedule that you have with eating and this new relationship, I guess, with eating that you have and it's for most people completely different than what they're used to. They're used to waking up, eating breakfast. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Not though. No, it's not. It's just a thing that people say. Like, why do people say that? Yeah. And then, I mean, it makes sense now to people, people say breakfast, break fast. It's when you're breaking your fast, you know. And so um, intermittent fasting, it's, it's really simple. It's not as crazy and um, as people make it out to be. But if you want to lose weight, if you want to gain muscle, sleep better, uh, think better, have more reduce energy, inflammation. reduce inflammation. Um, I mean, there's endless reasons why someone should benefit, but I mean, give intermittent fasting a try for a month, you know, and, um, I have no doubts that you'll feel better. And it's, it's simple. The, like you were saying, all you got to do is stop eating around, eight to 10, you know, and the hours can fluctuate. You mainly want to fast for at least 14 to 16 hours. And, uh, you don't eat the next day. You push breakfast back until like one or two, depending. And, uh, some days I go longer. Some days, you know, if I'm going to be a little bit busier, not have a chance to eat, I'll eat earlier. So it's not like a cookie cutter thing or anything like that. Right. Th that's how it formed to me. It wasn't like this, like, okay, I'm following this strict. Like yeah. it, didn't, it didn't seem like I was on like a, a 30 day diet plan and like, no. okay, did I write my, did I write my reps down? Like it yeah. wasn't like that. I feel like for me, it was just like, okay, I'm just going to make the decision. Like, unless that, th unless that watch says 2 PM, I'm not going to eat. So like anytime that my brain commits me that I need food, I'm going to say, you're okay, bud. You're fine. Yeah. You're going to be fine. And then you're like, you don't need to change what you're eating either. That's the beautiful part of it. You know, there you can go. keep eating whatever you're eating and you'll see, you'll still be able to see benefits if you give it a chunk of time, right. which I mean, is super cool. I mean, of course, breaking your fast with like Burger King every day might not be the best right. thing for your body, but hell, it's probably better than waking up after having eaten six hours ago yeah. and just eating more Burger King. I forget what point you reach this, but I, and I might be butchering, I think it's called the Tophagy or something like that. 
And I think it might yeah. be like 15, 20 hours, 18 hours, somewhere in your fast where your body actually starts to take your bad cells and turn them, like recycle them. And they'll be either, you know, thrown into the trash or they'll, the toxins will be removed from that cell and it'll regenerate as a healthy cell. Right. right. And so, um, it's, it's amazing. You said earlier about how crazy and magical our bodies are, but really we have no idea how magical our bodies really mm-hmm. are. And like, I think too, that when I first heard about intermittent fasting, the, um, I think the guy's name was Greg Gallagher, Kino body. I don't know if you've seen his ads on uh, YouTube or anything, but yeah, the last name sounds familiar. He, uh, well, not to be mistaken with Frank Gallagher. Yeah, shameless. yeah I know. That's, I feel like that's why it stands out though. Yeah. But he, uh, he was talking about, you know, our ancestors their the way that they did things were they woke up and they didn't eat and they would go all day not eating and they would be hunting and they'd need to be sharp to hunt and see. Mm-hmm. And then once they made their kill or whatever, that's when they would feast at nighttime. So, I mean, it's interesting to look at it that way, but we're not, it's not a new concept for humans to not eat all the all day long you know what i mean right yeah we're not always blessed to just eat whatever whenever yeah it really is like it's another one of those things that it's like wait hold up who is it that says that i need to eat three square meals a day who is yeah. it that says that breakfast at this particular time i mean break fast breakfast i, I love when people uh, separate that because i'm like oh yeah it is because you know when you so maybe breakfast is the most important meal of the day, but that doesn't mean it has to be in the morning. True, yeah. It, it could be like when you br- when you break your fast. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's an important one, but like that could be at 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like that. What if uh, we're getting kind of up here in time. Mm-hmm. I do have to pee um, within the next 20 or so. Yeah, But uh, I do want to, um, let's make sure we cover anything that you want to make sure you spread to the people. But also I figured just casually like, uh, what do you think about the world right now? Like, what the fuck is happening? Are we on fire? Is it the pan? Is it the, the apocalypse? Are yeah. we? What's uh, what, what's your hot take on the world, Dev? <laughs> well, I think it's no secret. I don't want to get too into politics or anything like that, but um, it's no secret. It's a crazy time to be alive right now. Um, without touching too much on like what's going on specifically in the world and how like what I believe about it. First of all, I believe. I will say this and have no problem saying this, but like I pride myself on the fact that I've got a strong immune system because I've been exposed to so much stuff as a child. Like my dad was a single dad. Like I said, very busy. I didn't have like all my, I mean, I had shots that you had to have to play sports and go to school and stuff, but like I, I didn't have like excessive shots. I wasn't taking all these trips to the doctor and like doing all these things. It was very natural the way that like life was for me. And, uh, I mean, I was a boy, so like I was into a bunch of stuff as a kid. I'm always like my hands are in my mouth or whatever, you know? Right, and like, right. I think being exposed to all that stuff and being sick, uh, playing baseball in the rain, things like that, it made my immune system stronger. And so like, I personally, and I get like other people are in different situations and like, I'm, you gotta be courteous with people that all have their immune systems kind of compromised, you know, and stuff like that. But um, you, I love to get exposed to things because I feel that it gives my body a chance to like get stronger. Now, with that being said, 
the light shall set you free. The book that I was talking about, another thing that like it kind of instilled in me is like, you're here at this particular time for a reason. And like, I don't know what that reason is right now, but I mean, I know some of my strengths and I like to try to play out to my strengths. And, uh, I think I do believe that like I am and we are all here for a specific reason in this chaotic, crazy time in this world. And like, I, I like to believe that what's going on right now is like purging the, the negativity and mm. the bad stuff away from us. And that needs to be done in order for like a beautiful new life to come about for us, you know? And so mm. I think that it's, it's crazy. It's chaotic and do what you need to do to like find peace in this time. But like have, have faith and like believe that it's not always going to be like this and there is a chance for like a brighter tomorrow you know what i mean right right yeah i agree man that's a great outlook i think i think for me like it's hard to like know where i stand of like Mm -hmm. you know and not on like the specific issues um like at this particular moment there's like like the riots there's protesting Mm -hmm. um you know there's a lot of stuff going on with racism um like, but the, you know, the fact that we have a pandemic and the fact that we handled it so poorly and the fact that we have a pandemic and our leaders aren't telling us how to better take care of our bodies and they're not teaching us about vitamin D and they're not teaching us about our immune systems and what to do to strengthen our immune systems. And here I am like, you know, you listen to politicians talk about just like stupid stuff that does, isn't relevant at the point, or they're trying to defend themselves from what the Dems or the Libs said or whatever but why aren't we just telling each other like, all right guys. So yet there's a virus. We're not entirely sure how it got here, but I know that we have a better chance of survival on an individual level if we're all stronger. So here's some daily workouts. Here's some stretches. Here's some ways to improve your immune system. Oh, this points a finger at the craziness that is our um, food system because our food is making us more susceptible to get this virus and not more unhealthy. Well, let's take a look at that. Like those are the things that should be sparking up to me. I but totally agree. I so 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 what I um, in my point there is it's really fucking easy to feel helpless. Um, I I have you know a lot of people just like based off personality types like INFJ is what I am. So like I have a thing that I can't explain, but I care about humanity and it's, and I'm not trying to sound cool. I'm not trying to sound like it's on this specific individual level. It's like, since I was born, I just like have a a caring about the bigger picture. I just like want what we're doing on earth to happen and still happen and and continue and, and thrive and grow. And, um, it's just a thing inside of a lot of people. I'm sure you have the same damn thing. Yeah. I feel Um, It's, it's, but, but so, so I think that, you know, with all this madness and, and we get so caught up in what the media is telling us to do and not do and what social media is, is pushing us towards and what other people's opinions are. I think that on an individual basis, like we got to just like look at what we can control, like what, mm. what's in our everyday life? Like, what can we do? What weird conversations can we have? What, um, like is our grandma the one that's being kind of racist? Like maybe let's have that conversation that's on, on us. Like, um, let's, uh, and when it comes outside of that stuff, like when it comes to the whole, the whole bigger picture of like, why are we all here? Like trying to argue against each other and prove who's more left or who's more right or who's correct in this way because of this. Like, I don't think that that's helpful. I think what's helpful is finding ways to communicate on our individual level. And, uh, like, how are you taking care of your body? And when you learn things about your body and they help, um, how can you be like telling your friends about that? How can you be 
helping the community around you and thinking, thinking of things logically. I think we get so projected with, you know, especially at this time, like with technology, man, we, there's so much power by people who aren't the best people um, to like project us into areas that aren't really like our own to, to get us to be obsessing over the wrong things. So I guess just for me with this whole situation going on, I just feel helpless, but I also think that it's important to remind everybody just like use your five senses and look at what's, what's right in front of you and don't let these motherfuckers get you all mad. Mm -hmm. Don't let these motherfuckers get you, um, to, to fight their fights for them. Uh, you know, we've, we've got to do unusual things at unusual times. And, um, you know, you don't always asking nice questions. Isn't always how you get the answers. Like sometimes you got to go outside and fucking, you know, grab someone by the collar and tell them like, wake up. Um, and we have our version of that as humanity going on right now, which I think yeah. is important, but I, I, I'm a, for, for me, I'm kind of like, okay, we're descending into madness. Like mm. the way somehow our ability to make sense of things is like not in, in, in a lot of us are seeing it. Like we're, we're smart people. A lot of the people who listen to this podcast are like, you know, between the age of 20 and 30. And I think that a lot of our like you know, millennial age and stuff is able to look around and be like, dude, people are not communicating. No. You, like we see that like they're arguing about these things and you're like, you guys aren't even talking about the same thing. You're just like arguing with other people's points that they were fed to you. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I keep perceiving them in the way that we're where we're at. You know, you mentioned that before the podcast too. And I thought that was a really good point, you know, where somebody, you could probably say it better than I can, but somebody can tell you, the same thing, but the way that, you know, their intention behind it might be different than the way that you perceive what it is that they're saying. Right. And I think there's a lot of that going on right now too, where, you know, people are screaming at each other one thing right. and they're taking it uh, a different way than what that person is trying to in intend for that. Right. To mean. I'll, I'll use the same analogy that I used, um, which is I'll say as a white person talking to a white friend, I feel uncomfortable talking about this because yeah. I feel like it's not my place and I feel like it's not my argument and I don't want to, I don't want to incorrectly represent something that I don't know enough about to be a face of. So I'd, I'll say that, but, um, just as an example, an analogy, uh, like let's say kneeling for the national anthem. So what, like when Colin Kaepernick was kneeling, um, during, during the national anthem, what he is doing why he is kneeling the reason why is because of the because of the racism because of the injustice because of um you know putting it in in this situation because of you know police violence against like he doesn't feel as safe so that's why he's kneeling mm -hmm. well on the other side of the world the people who don't know him they don't know his culture they don't know or give a fuck about his life, about his, the life of his family members, about the life of the people that he grew up with, the, you know, oppression that they had to deal with. They don't, they don't know or care, which is, you know, we've all got a lot of stuff going on in our own individual lives. Like we can't be expected to know every single person's version of everything in the entire world. But so when he kneeled, when he starts kneeling, he's, he knows what he's fighting for. And he tells us, here's why I'm kneeling. Right. Um, and that's, so he tells us, here's why, here's my meaning of why I'm doing this, right? Well, the people on the other side who oppose it, who are arguing with this, are saying, the flag means this to me. When you kneel during the, the national anthem means this to me. And on their version, um, let's say for this is a broad 
brushstroke, but say a more conservative person. I'm not trying to talk about politics, conservatives, but when you see someone kneeling when there's a flag, what you think is you're spitting on my grandfather's face who's a veteran. You are you you are disgracing the dead soldiers who died to get you to even be able to play football. So that's where they're coming from, which is not a, a mistruth. It's it's you know maybe it's it's uh, energetically charged in a certain way because maybe um, they have like you know your uncle your grandma was like served in the force and they lost their life so you can have this. But so um, in 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 what I'm saying is the real issue. So. The conservative people, the people on this side are saying you're spitting on the face of veterans. And this person is saying, I'm not even talking about that. I'm not even, that has nothing to do with me. I'm saying I'm not going to do this because there's so much oppression and racism still. So he, so the person kneeling, Colin in this situation, Colin Kaepernick is saying, I'm fighting this oppression. And the people are taking the exact same situation happening in real time and saying, no, it doesn't mean that it means this. But what they're both meaning, neither one of them are actually saying directly, we need to fight racism. Right. And so we're arguing about what things mean in like uh, coming at each other from ways that we can't even solve problems because we're talking over each other's heads because we think that we know what each other means. Mm -hmm. And to me, I just think that we're intelligent enough, we're smart enough, we know enough, we've our consciousness as like a fucking planet has grown enough to where we need to start having people who are like, guys, stop being childish. Stop, stop. Um, in, in, again, I'm not saying the riots and stuff are childish. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, I'm saying our communication is being like broken down and we're smarter than this. Like we need to be able to have real conversations. And I think in order for that to happen, more people on an individual level need to be able to recognize when they're getting angry, when they're getting um, mm -hmm. un, un, non-control non of their emotions when they've been eating Burger King for 16 days so their brain on the 17th day just isn't as clear as someone who's eating kale salad every day. Like, I don't know. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of miscommunication that really could be simplified and that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot of people yell at each other and they're having the same conversation. They're agreeing yeah. on the same things yeah. but they're still fighting. And, um, you know, I, I was listening to uh, Brett Weinstein who's an evolutionary biologist um, I recommend his podcast, the dark horse podcast, but, uh, he was essentially like the way that he put it. And, um, I want to explain this in more detail, but I don't, it's like a, it's a thing that started to click to me like a couple of days ago is like, we think that world war three is going to be like, not that we like know what's going to happen. Right. But we think world war three would be like with guns and, and we're going to fight and stuff. But like World War III might be going on right now. It may not be versus other countries. It might be because of our fucking algorithms, because yeah. of the things that we're reading, the things that are on social media, the things that are on news, the things that we're consuming, the um, instances that are like movies are making us feel and stuff. Like we're kind of fighting like a an inner battle against like oh, true. algorithms and AI. And, and like, uh, I, I'm not sure if a lot of people understand how influential and like, poised all of the information that you read is like oh if gosh. you like in, in this household we believe this but my neighbors literally might have a hundred percent literally everything they see on their twitter news feed might be that different than mine because that's yeah. how the date that's how the algorithms work and they feed us so i think we're basically getting we're in world war three is what i'm saying and we're getting fed fucking <laughs> like the the data and the algorithms and our social media news consumption technology is feeding like weird sides of our biases 
and it's making us take off our glasses and fist fight, even though we should have our glasses on and have conversation, look each other's eyes and say, what is it that you want here? Yeah. Like what, what is it? You know, we're, we're having this big miscommunication. And again, I'll just round out, like I feel uncomfortable, like talking about the, um, um, the protests and stuff because I don't know where, what my opinion on is it, on it is. I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling to, I'm struggling to like feel like what I have to say is important, but I'm also like admittedly like I don't really know what I think about it. Like I'm trying to work it out. Like I'm, I'm I promise like I'm watching the videos, I'm watching me on YouTube, and I have notes up there that I'm trying to like work through my own like thoughts on the subjects and stuff. Like I'm not saying that I have it right. Um, I'm not saying that my opinion is important. I'm not saying that you know wh- whatever. I guess I'm just kind of like covering my butt here. I'm afraid of like someone just taking my words and and misconstruing them. But um, I think you, pl- I think you it in a really yeah. good way yeah i just there's a part have you seen hunger games movies there's a part at the end where or, or a part in like one of the last movies where like the leader she's like turn your like they're fighting each other or whatever and they think they have to fight each other in the hunger games right it's, it's us it's the 12 um uh, districts or whatever against each other but in the end uh, she like once they car- start getting more sensible it's like wait we don't have to fight each other this isn't even like a fight we should be in turn your weapons at the capital like I remember like that always stood out to me when she's like, turn your weapons at the Capitol. And it makes me think like, you know, not, not government, like not down with all governments. Cause I'm not trying to be an anarchist here, but I'm saying like, we're fighting each other and we shouldn't be fighting each other. There's something else like going on yeah. that could be solved here. Yeah. So. so true. You put that in a good way. Yeah. I try. Thanks for letting me ra- ramble to you, buddy. Yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts. And, um, I think that, there was a lot of value people could get from that. I hope so. I just want to offer my perspective. And I, I don't think, you know, I don't think any of us should be afraid to offer our perspective. If we really are trying to no. be level headed, like I'm, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm not trying to, to, I'm just trying to figure it out too. Like, yeah. I don't really know what's going on, but this, this whole thing is fucking weird, man. This is, we all feel this weirdness. We're all super uncomfortable for the, we don't yeah. know what our future looks like. We don't know what truth is because media is crazy. Yeah. Um, I think we just need to, take a step back and just like, okay, what, what are we doing here? Like right in front of us, like what's going on? What misconceived and misconstrued ideas am I accidentally having about the person next to me? Like, this is my brothers and sisters here. We're all humans. We're in this together. Like we gotta, we gotta figure this out and, and be the smartest version of ourselves. You know, that's, yeah. that's what I think. Amen to that. We do the human race, you know, we're all the same race. Yeah. Regardless of color or anything like that, you know, we're all human. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Before the, the the culture spiked and before the yeah. before the differences that we do have, we're human. Right. So we need to we need to remember that and fall back on that and see how we can figure this out together. Because you know, I I want the I want the future of the planet to be here. Yeah. Good. And that's the only here. way we can do it if we come together and figure out a solution. You know, that works for all of us. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, Dev. Well, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you having me, bro. I love everything you got going on here. All right. Thank you. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. Listeners, drink some water. Drink some water. Drink more water. And, and Don't what, eat till two o'clock tomorrow and stop eating tonight at nine or ten. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, bro. I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate you, brother. My friends, I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, consider sharing it. Just take a screen recording, take a clip, send the whole link, copy it. Send it to a friend, send it to your social media, send it to your mom, send it to your dad, send it to your grandma, I don't care. Just share it if you did enjoy it and consider giving it a five-star uh, review rating on the Apple, Apple 
podcast apple music whatever spotify follow it on spotify thumbs up on youtube all those typical things just share it interact with it if you did enjoy it i hope you're doing well take care of yourself drink some water stretch give yourself some self-love you deserve it peace out we'll see you next week